thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amphion and Clavio. And you're listening to the morning mumbles of me, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you today, mate? Good. Um, feels like a long time since we've done one of these together. Yeah, it does. It feels like we're, we're kind of doing loads in one go, then having a little break. Maybe it's just because you can't you can't take it, um, that much time with me. It's just too much for you. Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, thanks to everybody who's a regular listener who's tuning back in. We do appreciate it. If it's your first episode, we hope you enjoy it. If you subscribe, you get new episode alerts every week. And we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple. Makes us feel good about ourselves, but also it really does help with our rankings and ratings. So please don't forget to do that. So let me set up uh, today's topic for introduce our guests. Um, so we are talking about building fast and flexible e-commerce solutions with Commerce Layer. So quite excited to be diving back into the e-commerce platform landscape today to help you understand where uh, Commerce Layer fits in and how its proposition, which is more developer-focused, is different to some of the other mainstream platforms like a Shopify or Adobe or a Big Commerce. And what we're going to cover is you know, what is Commerce Layer? How does it differ to other e-commerce platforms? How it supports key e-commerce use cases, you know, some of the areas it, it's got strengths in around building things like subscription payments, um, its ecosystem and its roadmap focus. Um, so I'll stop rambling and let's introduce um, founder uh, Filippo. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Thank you. And thank you, James and Paul, for having me today. We're really excited about this because I was saying to you before we start recording, I don't know a huge amount about Commerce Layer. I've not worked on the project. I've, I've seen it and it looks quite interesting. So I'm I'm looking forward to learning loads as well. So before we start asking you lots of fun questions, could you give people a bit of flavour for who you are, your background and, and in your, you know, what is Commerce Layer? Yes, for sure. So I, um, I'm Italian. Uh, I... Um, I was born in Florence and I graduated in Florence uh, in, uh, in 2004 in computer science. Uh, soon after, I founded a small studio uh, with, uh, with a designer and we created the typical engineer and designer small studio to build web applications and e-commerce uh, applications. Uh, uh, in our case, with Ruby on Rails, which is relevant to, to, to the story, to my founder's story. Um, in 2011, uh, we, um, we both had my, my partner and I both have a, a, a career opportunity and we decided to catch this opportunity. Mine was with uh, Gucci, the Italian luxury brand. Uh, they were looking to uh, build uh, um, a team, an e-commerce team in the Italian headquarters to, to scale and to take charge of, uh, of the e-commerce website that was built with Ruby on Race. That's why it was, you know, the... The language that they selected is relevant. They were looking for a, a Ruby on Rails uh, expert to uh, to start working on that code base. So uh, consider that Rails was initial. The initial release was in 2004, so there were not many people around that had like more than seven, you know, five years of experience with uh, with Ruby on Rails. So I was hired as the first tech uh, employee of an of the e-commerce team and. Uh, some months later, also Massimo Scardellato, my co-founder, joined the team, um, and we had the chance to, uh, you know, to uh, work for for one of the most beautiful brands in the world and to learn a lot from that experience. Then, in 2014, uh, the company decided to replatform, and uh, the, we we had the possibility to experience firsthand how complex, expensive, and risky a platforming project can be, especially when you migrate, you know, from one monolith to the other. Um, and uh, yeah, we finally made it. The, the website was beautiful. It's still 
the, the website that is live today, the Gucci.com website, for sure, after many iterations, uh, especially on the front end. But yeah, we started thinking of a different or better way of building e-commerce projects. And the idea uh, uh, essentially was to decouple the business logic of an e-commerce uh, platform from any presentation or any integration, uh, you know, in order to allow a better customer experience and to provide more freedom to the, to the business users to, um, yeah, to create any customer experience. So Commerce was born. We founded the company in 2017. And uh, in, a, in a few words, uh, Commerce Layer is, uh, is an API, is a, is a commerce API. Uh, that provides more than 400 endpoints and microservices and webhooks uh, to, again, to manage um, all these uh, transactional aspects of, uh, of an e-commerce project. We focus, uh, it's a very uh, focused on the, on the transactional component to the point that we don't even manage the product catalog with our platform. We believe that the product catalog belongs to the content world rather than to the commerce world. And uh, um, this is something that we, um, it's also a differentiator and maybe we can uh, um, expand more on this later. And uh, yeah, and with uh, also thanks to the experience that we had with, uh, with Gucci, we designed a platform that is multi-market, that is global by design, you know, by, by, yeah, by default. We, we created a model that is very easy to, to, uh, to use but, um, you know, to manage, uh, um, let's say, international businesses with different localization rules for different markets, countries, or business models. Great. Um, so that leads me on to my first question, I guess. So beyond um, the international side, what was the gap in the market that you saw that led to you introducing commerce uh, level? Yeah, I uh, I'll say even before the international uh, support is uh, is really the the need of a better and more flexible customer experience uh, in many channels. Um, if you again compare to the monolithic approach where the uh, the same platform, the, the same code base handles the front end and the back end and all the let's say the the components and fact and functions of your e-commerce website, uh, the Mm, yeah, an API-first approach allows you, the business users and the, and the marketing team, uh, really to create uh, um, a, an outstanding customer experience starting from a blank page because the API is really decoupled and allows you to, to build and to design whatever you want. So the customer experience was uh, for sure one of the uh, biggest drivers. The other one is performance because... Uh, mm, also, making the monolithic platforms uh, uh, fast is, uh, again, very expensive and there is a lot of effort needed to, to maintain and to scale those platforms. So by separating the front end from the back end in a, in a headless uh, uh, approach, you really want to make your, uh, you, you really uh, are able to, to create and to maintain a more lightweight front end, which is even, it's more fast, it's faster and, uh, and more scalable. And, and then, yeah, the international capabilities that we just mentioned. So you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, that in your background, like building um, out tech on Ruby and Rails. And, and, uh, and it, it, so where did you get to in, in Commerce? What is the tech stack? You know, what, what, is, what is it built on? What can you tell us about it? Yeah, so it's um, the core is still built with Ruby. Uh, we have many microservices that use different uh, um, technologies, but... Uh, 
when I started building and developing Commerce Layer, the core API, what we call the core API, is uh, it, it was and it is built uh, with Ruby, and um, so it's all proprietary. We started, I started coding the you know the platform from scratch, like without using any open source, yeah, for sure, open source libraries or gems, you know, as uh, we call it in the Ruby or it's in the Ruby ecosystem. But um, yeah, so we didn't use any, uh, let's say, platform or adapt any platform. Instead, we uh, we created and we designed it really from scratch, from a blank page. And then, yeah, our infrastructure is all cloud. We run on AWS uh, and Fastly, then we use Elasticsearch for some uh, uh, functionality, and we have also um, yeah some uh, NoSQL databases to handle some events and so on. So yeah, it's a you know it started as a uh, as a Ruby code base, and it, it is uh, expanding into a stack with different uh, uh, with different uh, components and also different technologies uh, on the front end because uh, it is true we are an API first, but not API only. Uh, we are evolving our product uh, also to provide micro frontends uh, or uh, um, applications that our developers and, and customers can use to accelerate the time to market. We released uh, uh, a hosted checkout application, which is built with React. And this application is, uh, um, is open source, so developers can uh, use it in a hosted way. So you can really uh, use it, you know, and just connect it to, to your website or, or channel, or you can uh, fork it on GitHub and uh, um, customize it to your needs, or you can just take it as a reference and build your own. So starting from the bottom up, API, the SDKs, and then micro frontends, and we also have uh, backend applications that are built with React and uh, allow you know the business users to interact with the uh, orders uh, and, uh, and there's um, business configuration and so on. What I find interesting is is when you look at the way that different platforms promote and market themselves on their on their websites and in their marketing, a lot of if you take the likes of like big commerce Shopify, they're very much geared towards the business user and the e-commerce team. Yours is is different because your USP is composable can't even say it today, composable commerce API for developers. So why have you specifically focused into that more technical audience? Um because I, uh, we, we believe that by empowering developers, we empower the business users to, to, you know, to scale their business and to uh, essentially build what they need. I was that developer you know, uh, at Gucci, and uh, um, having the so-called top-down approach, um, I, I don't think it works well when, uh, when it comes to the actual implementation, or not necessarily well. Because uh, developers, uh, a happy developer is uh, is really a great resource for for the business and for the organization. Whether it he or she is uh, a developer within the company or uh, uh, from the agency, but I really believe in the power of a happy developer. So uh, this uh, developer first approach and also developer first go to market allows us to speak to developers, CTOs first. Uh, to get them a try and uh, get convinced about our technology and our platform, and then, you know, we uh, we do the, the 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 next step, which is to convince their decision makers. Actually, they are becoming more and more part of the decision making process. That's also what we see, uh, you know, that is evolving. And so, yeah, it's a uh, maybe a longer term game, 
but we really believe this is the direction to go. So um, that's why we are following this approach. Um, that makes sense. And I guess whenever I've heard people talk about Commerce Layer, like whenever I've spoke to some of your developer partners or merchants that have brought it up, um, I've always heard Commerce Tools in the same sentence. And I imagine you, know, you have this question every day, but um, I guess Commerce Tools has gone out to market in a very similar way. You know, they're kind of developer first, or, you know, CTO led, I'd imagine. Um, what different, like how, how do the two platforms differ? And um, yeah, how does your proposition differ to that of Commerce Tools? Yeah, so uh, it is true. Commerce Tools is, uh, um, we, we consider Commerce Tools as our competitor. Um, and there are a lot of similarities on the approach. We highly respect what they do and the fact that they created uh, a headless approach even, you know, before uh, we, we were born. You know, they, I think they, they started the company in, uh, 2006, uh, so like more than 15 years ago, and they have uh, been uh, um, really precursors of, of, of this movement. Um, we are also becoming part of the same uh, uh, Mac Alliance, so we really believe that we are uh, working, you know, on the same uh, uh, on the same approach. But there are differences, and uh, the, the differences that um, we can. Uh, um, highlight are one is uh, our transactional our focus on uh, on the transactional engine so the fact that we don't manage the catalog we don't provide the PIM or a search you know capabilities from our platform is something that is uh, um, I think unique and again compared to not just commerce tools but also other e-commerce platforms but we believe that product content the product catalog is brand content and should belong to the content management system, not to the e-commerce platform. So um, commerce tools provides, PIM provides a catalog and uh, this uh, catalog management and the transactional engine is not as decoupled or can't be decoupled uh, this, with the same, uh, in the same way that you can do with commerce layer and uh, a catalog management system because we simply don't have it. It is not, it is not decoupled at all. So this, uh, this is a, um, simple yet powerful differentiator that our customers consider really refreshing uh, to use and to quote some of their uh, words. And it's one. The second one is uh, uh, we were born and we built our platform in a, in a different uh, era and uh, which where the development is, uh, we're moving more and more to the client side. So we created a, uh, an API that is uh, I would say more client-side friendly or client-side ready. Uh, to give you an example, uh, um, even if we are going maybe too much into the details, but uh, we have uh, some APIs that is the sales channel API, the API that you use to build the sales channel that is uh, can be used on the client side. It doesn't require the, uh, um, a secret, a client secret. So the security is handled at the application level. Again, without going into much details, the, the point is that you can. Uh, in, you can uh, uh, embed and you can uh, um, integrate Commerce Layer directly from uh, JavaScript to Commerce Layer on the client side without without any security uh, uh, problems. Instead, if you work with uh, uh, Commerce Tools or if you work with uh, Shopify Storefront API, other platforms that are more server side, let's say, you know, you always need some backend for front end. This is uh, something that. Uh, 
for example, prevents you to uh, push what we are doing, like to promote the micro front ends approach. Uh, with Commerce Layer, we are providing web components, really standard web components that can be injected and embedded into a web page. And our JavaScript library can uh, can in, can fetch a price, can fetch an availability message, uh, an add to, to back button, a cart from Commerce Layer directly, just with a copy and paste. This is not necessarily the the first. Uh, um, I mean, the, the the way developers want to work. But for example, during the POC phase, and this is uh, very often when we win deals, uh, when Commerce Tools is also involved. It's during the POC phase. During the POC phase, uh, by giving developers and agencies uh, this ready-to-use web components and micro frontends, really enabled allows them to to build the POC in a, in a week. You know, and so they can try and they can have a, a taste of what it looks like to work with Commerce Layer. It's about you know the time to market and the simplicity of working with Commerce Layer. And I also believe that our uh, international capabilities. So our multi-market model is uh, is unique, not just compared to commerce tools, but also to to others. So we really designed our uh, API to be multi-market from day one, and this makes the difference when you when it comes to localize your your business for different markets because everything in commerce layer can be uh, defined by market, and the market is also um, a notion that is not necessarily linked to the to a regional segmentation. The market can be B two C or B two B, can be uh, a customer group. We we gave this uh, resource the name market just because we had to give it a name. But as you know, naming things is uh, is one of the most complex things to do. But yeah, it's uh, it's not a regional uh, only uh, concept. It's really um, um, a resource that allows you to uh, be very, very flexible when it comes to localize your business model for different needs. Great. Um, and my next question is um, around pricing. Uh, so James has kind of added some numbers here. So I, I don't know how the pricing works um, or some kind of information. And it sounds like your kind of standardized pricing is based around a combination of orders per month, uh, the, the catalog or the size of the catalog, number of SKUs, and then the markets. But then that varies for the custom enterprise packages. Um, so can you just talk us through how you would typically calculate yeah, pricing for bigger businesses and kind of how that scales for higher volume merchants. Yeah, so um, first, uh, looking at the um, at the volume and the and the pricing, we offer volume discounts. So if uh, you are a larger business, so our enterprise clients uh, generally get you know always get um, a volume discount based on the on the on their uh, sales volume. Uh, we don't go in revenue share. This is something that is, uh, um, I, I believe, it's appealing to the larger enterprise versus the small, uh, the smaller startups. Um, this means that by having uh, ultimately a fixed price per order that can be, you know, fifty cents or ten cents, depending on on the order, it can make commerce layer. Um, more affordable to brands that have an higher uh, average order value rather than a lower average order value. Now, there are two, if we look at also at our users and our customers, uh, Brioni, that they have a very high average order value. So the cost of commerce is really, you know, is really tiny compared to what others can offer. 
if you if you have a um, like thinking taking another example or uh, chilies or some up they have a, a lower average of the value their products are around 50 dollars uh, or, or euros and uh, in that case the volume is so big that they can leverage a volume discount that makes the the price work very well um i would say that brands that have a very low volume and very low average order value are not necessarily you know maybe are not necessarily the the, the best brands for us but either you have premium you sell premium products or or have uh, larger volumes uh, the our pricing works very well and if you have uh, if you're selling big uh, premium products and you have uh, larger volumes, so it really becomes uh, very, very aggressive in terms of pricing. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. I've got a question around um, the type of business, actually, that 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 is like you know is the sweet spot for for commerce makers. Having you know, I've seen all sorts of projects from Commerce Tools, Elastic Path, Shopify, Big Commerce, um, and when I've seen people go down the route of these more customizable platforms where they have greater development control, the businesses typically need greater engineering and development resources themselves for the life cycle of it, rather than just an agency doing it. Is that the case with Commerce Slayer, or you know, do do you have clients who use the platform but don't have their own engineering and, and development teams? Uh, a customer of Commerce Slayer either has a, a, a developer team, uh, yeah, an engineering team in house, or some developer in house. It doesn't necessarily need to you know, need to be a, a big team. It can be also one developer, one tech savvy developer uh, or, or or tech lead, or they work with an agency. So you, as a business, you can't uh, take commerce layer and build your solution without involving a, an agency or a, or a, an in-house development. The, 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 um, let's say the, um, when it works very well is when there are both, you know, um, brands that hire an agency and also have at least one person in-house, let's say, that can interact with this agency. And he or she uh, doesn't need to be necessarily a developer, but someone who understands technology and understands, uh, uh, you know, and can talk to an agency and, uh, and then the agency can do, can do the business for them. So, um, yeah, I would say that also this is another reason why we target developers, we target CTOs, we target tech people, because uh, there is always uh, some uh, tech uh, guy involved in, uh, in, the, in the conversation and the project when Commerce Layer is, uh, is part of the stack. Yeah, and uh, that's, I guess, another linked question for me is, so in a lot of projects, although the CTO or the senior um, IT lead would be a key influencer in the final decision because they have to better make sure the technology fits within the overall enterprise architecture. A lot of the time, the decision maker who signs off with a vendor and an agency is the e-com director or digital director. So as your go-to-market is primarily you're going into like the CTO and the developer community, 
What type of barriers do you have to do you come up against often in the business side, like the e-commerce directors? What what sort of objections do you have to try and counter? Because um, they have obviously different viewpoints on technology. Yeah. Um, first, I sometimes I say that we are a B two B two C company because uh, we we need to uh, sell our technology to the to the uh, tech team, and when we get the tech yes, then we need to sell it to the to the decision maker that is not necessarily the, the CTO. So um, to your question, uh, it's, it is about letting the business users understand the value of a composable approach. And uh, also the, uh, some of the main challenges that we get is uh, uh, to let them understand that the composable approach is not um, uh, necessarily as expensive or as complex uh, as you might me think so um, if you are running your business on a monolithic platform and are looking to migrate to a composable stack this can be complex if you do that in one step so if you do uh, again you you want to do a replatforming and you want to select uh, three or four components the commerce engine the cms the search engine the delivery network you have to choose the 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 front-end layer or, or build the front-end layer and integrate all these components together. So, again, if you do it in one shot, there, there are a lot of decisions to, to be made and it can be scary. What we recommend is to go progressively. So, let's look at your current situation. Identify what's the primary um, pain that you need to, to, to fix. And... Uh, if this pain is to um, improve your content management, let's start and introduce a headless CMS into your stack so that you can uh, um, you can uh, improve your you know the experience from a content perspective. If your um, pain point is uh, uh, is the transactional engine because you're locked by let's say you know your international capabilities, the possibility to choose different payment gateways, optimize the cost, and so on. The cost factor, especially in these market conditions, is uh, is uh, is really is becoming really important, more important than ever, I would say. And uh, with a composable uh, approach, I actually believe that the cost can be reduced because you can uh, select only the components that you need, and uh, that. Not don't necessarily need to be the best in class. If you choose the best in class of each component without looking at your actual needs, so the cost can the total cost of ownership can become uh, large. But if you look at your needs and maybe you don't necessarily uh, need all the you know the best in class for all the components, you can uh, also opt for different solutions, either buy or build different solutions and compose a stack that uh, fits your needs. So also from a cost perspective, you and if you proceed uh, progressively, you reduce the risk. It's not a big replatforming. is uh, is the start, you know, is the start of a journey that you you iterate, you experiment, uh, and you invest uh, in those components that bring you more value. So it's not the cost; it's more an investment. Right. Um, and then my next question. So. I guess over the years, I've kind of, or not over the years, maybe the last couple of years, I've associated you with, you know, Chili's. And then I realized you did the Sun Guard site, which is also a really good site. But then I recently heard that you won Rafa, which is obviously a huge, um, I guess, 
like you know online business beyond much like far beyond just e-com like with all their loyalty stuff and everything else and the events etc um so can you talk us through like why rafa chose commerce layer and maybe just talk us through that project a little bit and kind of how it's going to work yeah first we are very proud of uh partnering with rafa it's an amazing brand and uh um they are yeah they're a true omnichannel brand they want to they will uh, use commerce layer in a way that could unlock different business models uh, um you know with their community of uh, of customers which is uh, amazing and we are happy to uh, also to be challenged by rafa you know to uh, to improve the flexibility of our platform i would say that mm, there are mm, a few reasons why they selected commerce layer versus other uh, of our competitors one is uh, yeah the flexibility that we provide but also how open we are uh, you can uh, they they developers and also the the internal engineering team the cto they tried they wanted to try the different platform they tried commerce layer and they were convinced by the product in the first place you know they were convinced by the flexibility of the api by the Uh, stability by the speed of our api by using it not by talking to someone you know really by using with uh, and, and trying the, the api um and then again uh, the uh um the ceo trusted their team which is something that we we see more and more the ceo trusted the decision made by their team they did a very deep assessment uh, and uh And so this, uh, um, we again, as we were saying, you know, it's a very uh, significant case study. It will be a very significant case study for us. But also, now the decision-making process is really where what we, how we want to win customers like Rafa. Again, speaking to the CTO, to the tech team, we want our product to be our best sales and marketing uh, asset. They, we want them to try and not to listen to us. And then when they have tried the product, eventually they will uh, uh, be so in love with uh, what they see that they will also convince the decision maker, the, the, the decision makers. I, I want to quote one, uh, what uh, the, the CTO of Rafa said that about specifically about our focus on the transactional engine. I asked him, uh, uh, What, what do you think about our transactional focus? Do you think there is a, are, are we missing something? Do you miss the catalog from our platform or not? And he just replied, oh no, it's refreshing. That's what he said. And uh, I think this refreshing uh, means that you, you can really um, get the flexibility you need as a CTO, as a tech lead to empower your business with, uh, with, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, with, with the requirements that they have and will have in the future. And that will change uh, With a, with high free, you know, with a with a high frequency. One a key question I've got actually is because uh, I know that the 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 Mac Alliance is growing a lot, and the, the talk of composable headless is, is everywhere. But still, working on the ground with e-commerce teams for for most e-commerce teams who aren't uh, like large enterprise. Um, with big big engineering teams themselves, the thought of composable feels very abstract. It's like I, I don't really get what is it. Uh, I can do anything, but that that's quite doing anything can be quite paralyzing for people when they're used to working in very specific ways. 
And I know that you you said you're building out the, the, the capability, the functionality and speeding up time to market. And you recently added a demo store. So I'd love to hear about what, what is the demo store? What does it provide out the box? And, and how does it like accelerate project builds? First, uh, um, allow me to um, elaborate on, on the composable commerce concept. Uh, I believe that the composable commerce concept is not a new is not a new concept at all. If you remember in the early 2000s when uh, uh, brands um, started using e-commerce platforms to build an e-commerce website, and then at some point, many of them realized that they needed the best, a better content management system. So they introduced WordPress, for example, as a CMS. And so we were you know, looking at the marketing website and the shop shop.website, you know, the two websites. This was the f- very first rough version of the composability. And then for sure, now we are doing much better instead of having two different experiences. So composable is really not a, a new thing. And uh, now it's it's about the tools that you have uh, to uh, to build a composable stack. And the, and the Mac Alliance uh, is helping a lot in educating the market and also providing an ecosystem of... Uh, of uh, vendors that are certified as uh, as API first and, and Mac uh, components of this uh, stack. To your question, the demo store is uh, is um, uh, one of the developer tools that we uh, provide to understand um, how Commerce Layer can work. It, it is uh, an open source Next.js website that is uh, using a, a static content catalog that is uh, technically a, a JSON, a, a, a big JSON file using an open source uh, library for search. So it's only powered by commerce layer and some custom coding and some custom data. The fact that the, the content is not provided by the CMS demonstrate that you can actually integrate any CMS. You know, the only thing that you have to do to make that demo store work is to produce the very same JSON file with any CMS that you that you want to use. The fact that you can uh, have a nice search experience uh, with uh, just an open source uh, uh, library is uh, means that you don't necessarily need, maybe from day one, uh, the best-in-class search engine to power your search experience. So it is uh, meant to, uh, again, to uh, let agencies and developers build POCs with their content uh, data allows our sales team to um, demonstrate maybe to business users uh, the capabilities of Commerce Layer because it's, sometimes it's difficult to visualize if you're not a developer to you know to just look at the CLI or JSON uh, objects and uh, connect that to to the actual experience. So this is a way to simplify also the uh, visualization of what. Um, commerce layer can do. But yeah, just that. Some smaller brands might think to use that demo store as a starting point. But in general, we to, to build the actual uh, experience. But the promise of headless and the, uh, I, I think it's that you want to create a custom front end in general. So it's great to have a reference. It's great to have a starting point. And it's in some cases, uh, especially for the smaller brands, it, it can make sense to actually use that demo store as a starting point, as a starter. But yeah, in general, the 
larger brands uh, want to create uh, a custom experience and use that uh, as a, just as a, uh, as a reference for their developers. And uh, I know earlier you said that you don't, in your platform, you don't have the product catalog in the same concept that you have in a lot of other platforms and that you believe that product catalog management is through content, which I understand that because then you can control exactly how you want. But I think most people are used to a standard integration is like an ERP or a PIM into e-commerce and there's your product catalog. So how, how does, where does commerce fit in that? So product data from a source system like a PIM or an ERP, where does that come into? How does it get pushed into a CMS? What's that flow? The SKU prices and stock um, uh, come from the ERP into Commerce Layer. So Commerce Layer is uh, all about, again, SKUs, different prices for different price lists, different uh, stock and this different availability for different stock locations and markets and so on. So the integration flows from the ERP into Commerce Layer, we also provide an import API, which is asynchronous. It's a batch import API. So you can import your data with the frequency that you need into Commerce Layer. But the only product information that you need in Commerce Layer is the SKU code, just the SKU code. Just one code that is uh, used to link uh, your content with your commerce, let's say. So if you have a PIM, you will import the product content into the, the CMS. And it, actually, we, we have some uh, content models uh, for the most popular CMSs. Our partner CMS is like, like Contentful, like Content Stack, Storyblock, or Sanity. And uh, with these uh, content models, you can easily model a product catalog into the CMS and make it very uh, flexible, the same way you make uh, um, a flexible content model for other parts of your experience. And so, yeah, if you have a PIM, you, you may want to import product content into the CMS to, for product enrichment, you know, because you, maybe you want to import some data from your PIM, but then you want to enrich your storytelling and enrich your product content uh, or just model the, the um, different product pages for different type of products. Because uh, depending on the product type, you 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 can have different needs. So instead of having like the same product page for all the type of products, you may want to model uh, a different product content to support different product page and product page experiences. Right. Um, so another question that I'd imagine you probably get asked quite a lot that I think is quite an interesting one. Um, so with the SaaS platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce and even some of the other platforms on the market, I feel like like um, one of the main kind of selling points is the ecosystem around the platform that allowed them to kind of, you know, um, release new features or introduce new functionality or, you know, optimize whatever very quickly and at a low cost. Um, is this something you're building into your strategy? Do you plan to kind of build out a tech partner ecosystem and kind of pre-existing integrations? We, we do. We, we already have uh, some key integrations with the payment gateways, for example, uh, uh, like Stripe, ADN, Checkout.com, Klarna, PayPal, and, uh, and others, which is uh, pre-built into Commerce Layer, um, or with uh, the shipping carriers like DHL, FedEx, UPS, USPS, and so on. We, we have uh, pre-built integrations with, uh, with this kind of uh, um, uh, providers also from a tax calculation perspective, we integrate with Taxjar and Avalara, 
so you can decide to uh, automate your tax calculations with uh, with uh, one of these tools. And in general, we also uh, are, we are building other integrations. Uh, I don't um, believe in uh, in the app. Let's say in the app store mechanism that you get from at least for for our type of you know for our target customers like the app store the Shopify app store for example if you are a business and if you um, use Shopify there is a good chance that you're using I don't know ten to fifteen different apps from ten fifteen different vendors so you're you're you think you are working with Shopify but actually you have fifteen different teams or maybe solopreneurs that are handling one of the key features of your infrastructure, you know, the apps. And so you have 10 to 15 different support, um, let's say, um, yeah, teams, or uh, or you, you really need to, um, they, because the, the apps are not hosted on Shopify, they are, up, they are hosted by the, 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 the app provider themselves. Instead, uh, we are natively built to integrate and to build integrations. We are also, we have uh, an application uh, uh, mechanism. You can build apps on Commerce Layer, but we like to, first we build applications ourselves so that you, you can get some uh, ready to use integrations. And with the same uh, mechanism, with the same uh, system, um, we enable the partner to build applications for the client. So, for example, uh, if uh, if you think of a of a brand that works with an agency and commerce layer, the brand the the uh, partner can build uh, some custom apps for the brand, and so the brand will have uh, the partner and commerce layer as a single point of contact to uh, and and also the responsibility of that is really uh, restricted to you know, to the to us and to the partner, instead of being fragmented across multiple uh, uh, developers that want to build apps on top of the platform. So again, I I believe in the same technology, but not on the app store that uh, you know for the reason that I just explained. No, I I do get that. I think um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I guess I've always been quite pro the idea of like reducing the amount of development hours that need to go into certain things so you can then reinvest that time and money in other areas. But I think you're right. It's kind of like there's probably a bit of a happy medium. Um, so the next and final question um, is always an interesting one. What's on your roadmap? Like, what are you kind of investing in uh, next year? Like, yeah, what are some of the cool things you're doing? What are your customers asking for? Uh, we are going all in with our micro front-ends approach. Again, the evolution of our product started from the API, SDKs, uh, React components, uh, and uh, our micro front-ends. Uh, so we are keeping building and productizing our micro front-ends that allow the uh, brands and agencies you know, to reduce the friction, to reduce the friction of adopting, adopting commerce layer and the composable uh, stack in general. Um, or just to make the POC phase even more, even faster and, and easier, you know, to, to create a fully functional production-ready POC so that you can try and experiment a, a composable platform uh, powered by Commerce Layer. So, again, reducing the friction and make it, make, it, make it easier to adopt 
uh, a composable stack is uh, our biggest priority now. In terms of features, we are uh, and what customers are asking, they are asking for more insights about the data that we handle. And so we are about to release a new API, which, which we will call the Metrics API. And this Metrics API will be, again, a completely different uh, microservice and API to inspect your uh, transactional data and get insights about your business. Or if you are working with a, with a third-party uh, BI tool, uh, you can uh, you can get this data and bring this data in a very fast and flexible way and query this data and bring the, this to, into a, another uh, tool that you want to use for your business intelligence needs. So these two things, again, reduce the friction uh, and, uh, and providing um, a new, uh, you know, more value from the data that we own that start to be quite uh, huge. Excellent. Uh, really enjoy that. Thanks. It's giving me a bit more of a flavour for, for you know, where you sit and your differentiation. So I appreciate you taking the, uh, the time to come on, Filippo. Thank you. Thank you again. It's been a great pleasure. Um, and, you know, as of all these episodes, we always ask if, if people have got more questions, if they want to challenge you on anything or they want to probe into any more detail on what you said, um, how do they reach out and, and connect? Um, yeah, you can use our website at commerceclear.io. Uh, you can uh, happy to um, connect on LinkedIn. You can find me, Filippo Conforti, on, on LinkedIn or just send me an email, filippo at commercelayer.io, and I'd be happy to answer it and to be challenged, <laughs> you know, uh, by, uh, by, you know, someone who, who has different opinions. Yeah, that's the beauty of the e-commerce uh, audience. There, there's not always different opinions around technology, platforms, integrations, half the fun of it um and always something new to learn so i really appreciate it and and thanks everyone for listening as always hope that's been interesting you've learned something new today keeping it out for the next episode we drop one every tuesday and don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating on apple spotify or youtube until next week everybody for more information on this topic head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.